San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down the Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB or tune in radio, you can hear this show as it airs on any device, and all these podcasts are commercial-free on iymoney.com and on iTunes as well. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, accomplished marathon runner, best-selling author, lecturer, philanthropist, and a family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I'm great, Joe. I just flew in from Durango, Colorado. How about that? From the mountains and, to the beach. And your arms are not that tired. No, my arms are not that tired. <laughs> hey, I got to thank Denise Willette Friedman uh, for hosting me for the San Diego Nice Guys Luncheon at the wonderful Tom Ham's Lighthouse, which they've remodeled. I don't know if you've been there recently, Richard. But no, I haven't. You ought to check it out. Uh, it's okay. a lot nicer. Anyway, they had their annual announcement of, the, of who is going to be the nice guy of the year and who's going to get that award, and it goes to the managing partner and main owner of the San Diego Padres, Peter Seidler. And um, what a great event. I did not know how much he was involved in civic matters and, and social problems and things like that. Uh, homeless is chief among them, and he gave a very nice speech. Uh, anyway, on October 28th, uh, if anyone here is interested or anyone out there, um, they're going to have a big dinner for him, I believe, at the Marriott or someplace downtown, one of the big hotels. But um, anyway, it was a treat to go to that event. But I know we have plenty of show tonight, Richard. Uh, it's all about elder abuse. We have two premier experts probably in the county on this subject matter and uh, one is one of a, whom is our sponsor. Yeah, one is a long-term sponsor and friend of yours, friend of the show, and he's a wealth management advisor as well. Uh, Paul Hines, Paul, welcome back to our show. Great to be here. Excellent. Why don't you? I'll let you introduce the next guest. He's a premier uh, attorney since, in the since field. You did of, all the arranging. Yes, okay, uh, you get the honor. I know he runs the San Diego uh, Elder Law Center, and his specialty is dealing with uh, elder abuse and, and legal issues and. Why don't you introduce him? Yeah, well, Phil Lindsay's been doing that for quite a while in San Diego, I think over 30 years. Mm -hmm. And he, like you said, he has this San Diego um, Elder Law Center mm -hmm. and has a team of people there just ready to help at a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. So, oh, Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. And, it, and it's Phil Lindsley? Or Phil Lindsley. Lindsley. There we go. So welcome to the show, Phil. So we have a lot. You have done a lot of preparation, Paul and Phil. Uh, lots of material to cover here. Um, where should, should we go? Start? We start with backgrounds first. Well, we could do that. That's do. A, yeah, those little thumbnail sketches. Especially since Phil is new. Yeah. But Paul should, Paul should just refresh everybody. Yeah, a little bio on you. Um, you know, the whole Boston Paul. thing. <laughs> Born, raised, educated, and a little career sketch, uh, if you'd like. Sure. Well, I have been practicing as a wealth advisor for over 32 years. Right now, I have my own firm called Hearthstone Private Wealth Management, and uh, we cater to business owners and people who have already made their wealth. And our motto is, it's not our job to make them wealthy, it's our job to keep them wealthy. Mm. Wealth and maintenance as well as management, right? right? <laughs> and you've uh, got one of the all-time great taglines. Yeah, our newest, Say newest it. 
all fiduciary all the time. That's it, all fiduciary all the time. Wow, and the that's, significance it's of a that. Word, it's a word again. Yeah, I know it's a. You put you put some meat on the on right. The, fiduciary about, right? means you have a, a duty of loyalty and a duty of care to your clients and and only to your clients above your own interests. Mm-hmm. And our role as a advisors, we're always uh, in that role as a fiduciary to our clients. We don't have any products to sell, no commissionable income to earn. And that's a real differentiator because some of the other financial advisors do have products on the shelf and mm-hmm. they're not required to have that same duty of care and loyalty to their clients. Hmm. What a novel concept. Hi, Richard. If you're, yeah, advi- if, if you're, advi- if you're advising, you're in a future, if you're selling and, and possibly toxic assets or something of that along those lines, uh, not so much, right? As long as it's good for the company. Yeah. <laughs> I knew an insurance agent who uh, was a manager of a firm, and he had uh, they had a couple of products. Uh, one was they were identical, two insurance policies, annuities that were identical in all ways, except on one had a slightly higher interest rate for the consumer, and a, a lower uh, commission for the sales agent, and the other was reversed with a higher commission for the sales agent and a lower. I asked him how many of the lower commission, how he said he never saw one sold. And it <laughs> sat there on the company's books as an option, but it was not sold. So mm. we always tell our clients, uh, they're going to get financial advice, get it from somebody who practices in a fiduciary model like Paul. And everybody, that was Phil. So Phil, briefly, your background, born, raised, school, how uh, you find your way to San born Diego? Born right here in San Diego. Wow, we never had Diego. anybody who was born here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Crawford High, San Diego sure. State, USD School of Law. Nice. Shout outs there. Um, been practicing uh, law for uh, over 35 years in San Diego. Uh, my, um, a certified specialist in elder law and a certified specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate. Hmm. Okay, elder so law is the field that concerns uh, incapacity, disability, special needs, planning for them, dealing with incapacity, and making sure that estate plans and family planning takes into account uh, the disabilities. And you know, Phil, we should hook you up with one of our prior guests, uh, Fritzy Grove Dion. Mm-hmm. Remember her, Richard? Absolutely. Um, she helps, uh, she's an aging in place specialist, but also helps, uh, uh, you know, get, get seniors into uh, facilities along with their families, the challenging position or uh, field. But uh, I think that would be a good person for you to collaborate with. Um, Absolutely. But Phil, I got a question. Since you're one of the few people that we've ever met on the show who's actually been born here, what hospital were you born in? <laughs> anybody you know? my age, uh, and uh, I got my Medicare card, anybody my age was born uh, either in Mercy right. or in Balboa Naval. Which uh, one? And I was, I'm a Mercy baby. Okay. <laughs> There's only two choices way back when. That's right. <laughs> um, was the one in La Jolla still there? Balboa? Scripps. Was it, yeah, was that, what year did that come along after Mercy? Uh, you then? know, Scripps was an older building than that, but I don't know that uh, the they had a, 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 they dealt with a birth. I don't Maybe not. I don't remember. Most everybody I've met is one of the either yeah, Naval yeah, or Mercy. Or yeah. yeah. Correct me if I'm Same wrong, here. but I think the building uh, west of Bishop School and in La Jolla Park and Rec, that was the original Scripps Hospital. Yes, right on the ocean there. I remember going in there kid, uh, as a kid for my allergy test. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was old then. <laughs> now, I, tell me if I'm wrong. When they moved the hospital out to the UTC area, in order to keep the donors, I guess some people left uh, legacies and said, 
only if it's done in La Jolla. So they actually moved the zip code line to uh, 92037 to include uh, Scripps Hospital. I hadn't heard that, but that doesn't surprise I've me. I've heard in the that, but I have no way to verify. Okay, well, we'll go. It's, it's a good, let's it, go with it. It's either it an urban legend. easier than bringing the walls over and sticking <laughs> yeah. it back up in the new, new building. I bet we could verify that. Uh, yeah. but we'll, anyway. we'll figure that out. And yeah. they kept an elevator shaft uh, at yeah. Mercy when they knocked down the old hospital and built the new one. I've always wondered why they did that. Yeah. Just, just one stair sh- stairway elevator shaft. Huh. Maybe for the same reason. Legacy. Oh, yeah, maybe there was something, uh, something to do with a gift there. Yeah. Who knows? So, But anyway, how did you two gentlemen uh, ever cross paths? Just curious. Well, we're both very active in the San Diego professional community, and we attend a lot of events and educational programs together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, so let's give websites. So, Bill, can you confirm or deny that? <laughs> I, I will <laughs> confirm that. They bump into uh, uh, Paul quite a bit. Yeah. Well, Paul, let's give websites. Paul's website is safeandsound.org. Safeandsound.org. Okay. Right. And I'm looking at... So, I'm sorry, it's seniorsafeandsound.org. Everything all spelled out. I had a senior moment there, pardon me. But anyway, um, and then Phil's got a great one, uh, sandiegoelderlaw.com. I'm looking at it right now, and right. it's uh, very robust and, and a lot of good information there. So. so, Phil, did you get into elder law early in your career, or did you advance through other iterations that had to do with... So we say older clients, I'd estate always, planning. Always been interested in incapacity and disability. I started uh, thinking I was going into psychology, and that's what I majored in and was working on my master's when uh, I uh, uh, changed gears into law school. Uh, uh, pretty elaborate thesis dodge there. Uh, yeah, so when I got out of law school, uh, all the way through law school, I was interested in this issue. Uh, at USD at that time, they founded the uh, County Patient Advocacy Program, and I was a founding member of... Uh, employee of that. Uh, so when I got out and practiced law, I had to do things a lot broader than just incapacity and disability. But mm-hmm. uh, as time went on and it got more successful, I started doing, I started dropping off things I didn't enjoy as much. And uh, eventually I was doing nothing but uh, mm-hmm. elder law and, mm-hmm. and estate planning. I'm basing your website, medical planning, life care planning, estate plans and trusts, conservatorships, probate, special needs, and things along yeah. those lines. We tell there. people in a nutshell, we help the families figure out what type of uh, care they need, what's uh, plugging them in with the right people, and then help them figure out how to pay for it. And yeah. make sure that their estate plans uh, and documents uh, are going to work for that. Yeah. Well, let's just, for, for the record, uh, you know, what is elder abuse? Because we, we hear the term all the time. Um, or, or Paul, do you mind telling your personal story? Uh, sure, but why don't, why don't I define it first? Yeah. Yeah. So really, it's any, anything that harms a senior citizen. A senior citizen in this day is, designed, is defined by someone over the age of 60. Mm-hmm. Is that right, Phil? And it gets complicated. If it's, it's either f- physical or financial. Yeah. Now, if a family member's involved, you know, that gets a little more complicated and testy, right, when you have... And, right. And, and is that... What percentage of that is, happens with family members uh, abusing elders? It's, it's very common. It's much more likely that abuse, financial abuse, well, probably physical too, mm-hmm. is going to come uh, from inside somebody's own family. Yeah. There are certain uh, profiles and models, uh, uh, but uh, sad but you are most likely to be abused by your own children or spouse. And then you need the, you need, who's going to initiate the action? The senior is, uh, you know, the elder has got to take... Well, frequently the, the senior is incapacitated in some way or another. I don't and, mean completely. And even if they are not, uh, uh, or only moderately, there's a great deal of embarrassment mm-hmm. uh, that would go along with that. It's going to stand in front of somebody picking up the phone and complaining, mm-hmm. uh, and, and sense of responsibility, too. Oh, my gosh, I raised this 
right. this person. A lot of time. Will, will it be like another relative? Well, I guess we got to take, we'll take a break. Joe. We're going to come back with Paul Hines and Phil Lindsay, all about elder law Lindsay. and my elder abuse, right after these words. Hang on. Oh, speaking of psychology, that old Bob Newhart music, we're back with Phil Lindsley, elder law specialist and an attorney, and of course, Paul Hines um, with Senior Safe and Sound and also Wealth Management Advisor. Um, so, Paul, your, your interest in the elder abuse issue started with a personal story, correct? Yeah, and actually it started before that because we, we do deal with clients who are older, and we've recognized that abuse and, and losses that come from abuse are just another risk that we have to be aware of. So we're trying to protect our clients. But I did have a personal story. Um, my dad is now 89 years old. And a few years ago, he received a letter in the mail saying that he had won a lottery. And he followed up on that letter, unfortunately, and got, in, got in, snarled in what we call the lottery scam. It was a foreign country, right? Yeah, the yeah. person was in a foreign country. The phone calls were very... Um, he He just became you know deeply in, entrenched in it mm-hmm. and by the time we found out about it my brother and sis- sister and I he had already sent over eighty thousand dollars by wire to a, a stranger overseas uh, by the time it wrapped up his losses were over a hundred thousand wow. dollars hmm. never were able to track the person down legally nope. there's nothing you can do right no they're all in foreign countries without any access by law enforcement so the lesson there is, in my mind, is that it really can happen to anybody because he has capacity. He's very sharp. He does a couple of crossword puzzles a day. Um, seems to be, you know, very mentally with it. He just fell into the trap, and it was hard for him to get himself out. Does he live by himself? He, he does live by himself, yes. Well, you know, a lot of seniors do get mixed up in gaming and gambling and whatever. I know some, some seniors that, uh, you know, the husband gambled it all away, and it, uh, everything did, it ended sadly for Debbie them. Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds. We had a former mayor here that, uh, yeah. of course, she wasn't a senior yet. Debbie but, Reynolds. Uh, and Joe, even uh, if it's not a uh, family gambling problem, uh, my own father, uh, who is not a gambler, uh, uh, would get confused with the mail and come and ask me, Phil, Phil, this says I really did. Uh, I won something. I, they want me to call this number. Uh, and he was, he was a bright man. He had been a Superior Court judge for 30 years, uh, and uh, he was unable uh, with his uh, dementia to just process this type of information. Fortunately for us, uh, he didn't uh, ever actually have suffered the losses that Paul's family did. But, uh, you know, this is, this is not uh, uncommon, and uh, we, were, we were fortunate in that. Well, the big scam earlier this year was the so-called phone calls from IRS scam, yeah. Most of our listeners know the IRS will never call you. They can only contact you by correspondence. Well, how about that bank, uh, Lincoln, Cap- Lincoln Capital? I mean, back then they had a memo. This really, you know, brought it to light. Uh, they had an internal memo telling their, their people, pray on, this is Charles Keating, remember this? Uh-huh. Play, pray on the weak, the meek, and the elderly. You know, they had that right on the notes to tell their clerks and salespeople. Uh, so they're an easy target, and I know a lot of it. What are the... How has it changed in terms of incidents when you first started practice? Is it more prevalent now? And there's more ways to get to people now with, uh, with technology and everything, right? And telephones and, right? Uh, Bill, Paul? I would def- definitely. Uh, I imagine there's always been larceny mm-hmm. uh, in people out there. That, but the uh, uh, ease of reaching out and reaching vulnerable people en masse 
yeah. is much different back when uh, when I was a kid when somebody would pretty much have to knock door to door mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to find a, a mark, as it were. Uh, right. It's just so easy now to reach uh, hundreds of people in a day. Email. And, uh, and you will find, you make enough phone calls, you will find a vulnerable person. Right. Sure. For example, the IRS scam calls were all robocalls. Right. So they're just making millions of those a day, and they get a few people to call back. But that scam was really frightening to an elderly person. First of all, they sure. tend to have great respect for authority. There's not much greater authority in the country than the IRS. Mm-hmm. You get a call saying, you know, you've got a past due bill. If you don't pay in the next week, we're going to seize your assets. Your ba- I mean, that attracts your attention. Uh, and well, then you, they ask you to go to Target to buy Target cards to pay your IRS exactly, bill. Exactly. That should be a clue. That should be a clue. And there's Bitcoin now is probably another. Well, they're using the ransomware. This is a whole different area. But, uh, but I even got the IRS scam call. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, and if you go to the seniorsafeandsound.org website, we have two recordings. They have, they start with one that's sort of nice, okay. and then the second one is very, very threatening. Yeah, the second so. one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I got those threatening calls. Huh. So uh, everybody could take a listen and then know when they hear that type of call, they know it's a, it's a false. But if you just remember that the IRS will never call you to make contact unless you have an ongoing case already. Right. They'll well, send a letter. The letter is the only Well, if there's a potential abuse contact. situation, and uh, if it is internal in the family, I guess someone, a friend of the family or a friend of the senior is going to have to make a phone call to the DA or something. I mean, who's, how are you going to initiate this, or how are, we, how are you looking out for this uh, in a better way? This is where it helps to have an independent third party involved in the relationship, an attorney, a professional fiduciary, uh, some, someone like a CPA, a trusted advisor who can stand up for that person's rights and make that phone call and perhaps alert other family members what might possibly be going on or if things are really bad alert the police or alert uh, adult protective services so paul in your practice i mean in addition to your father i mean have you come across this happened in other other with other clients it has unfortunately it has we've had several examples of scams not exactly like the lottery scam but just other ways that people have been able to pilfer assets from our clients. A lot of it's construction. Uh, these construction oh, that's, that's the latest one. And some of it is under the guise of a legal construction corporation where they, they do prey on senior citizens because senior citizens don't typically check the website for like Yelp yeah. for reviews. and, and they or, uh, or the website for licensure. For licensure. So they, they basically go in and bid the job at two or three times what it would normally cost. Mm-hmm. And the senior citizen doesn't know the difference. And they sign on. And actually, they just take the money and run sometime, they, right? They'll do a little bit of work one day, and then they're gone, and what do you do? I mean, Right. Uh, well, and, and we're talking a lot, uh, and rightly so, about the, these scams. But uh, circle back and make the point that uh, statistics show for financial elder abuse, 90% of it is coming from your own family. Wow. You don't have to wait for a, a phone call unless that phone call is from one of your kids. I was going to ask that now, uh, that's uh, happening right inside the right inside the home. Yeah, I know of a case going on right like that. Yeah, it's um, and still the answer is exactly what Paul said. Uh, you know, family part. needs to be uh, uh, aware and in touch too. You know, you you call your your parents. I I, I know when I would call my parents. You know, how how are things going? Fine. You know, that's what you're going to get. Fine. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you might come out and visit and find out. Well, oh, oops. Yeah. It's not as fine as I thought it was. but So don't just take fine for an answer. If you can uh, get permission from your parents to uh, get on, uh, uh, be able to get a duplicate statement from the account or maybe get online, help them and watch what's happening with the finances, uh, make sure you establish a relationship and communication where you can uh, 
be plugged into what's happening instead of just assume, don't assume everything is going fine just because mom and dad say so. Yeah. Yeah, you know, every tax season I still do some tax returns for long, long, long-time clients that are now in assisted living. And they even have problems with things like basic mail. I mean, they'll give you piles of stuff to do a tax return with. I don't do it. You know, I outsource it. But I'll, I'll look at the thing because I'll always find some envelopes that haven't been opened that have checks in them. Hmm. You know, they, because they just have a hard time processing stuff. You know? So and if that, you have that an, includes just getting through regular yeah. mail. Yeah. So if you have a neighbor or somebody who you suspect might be uh, a victim of this physical or financial abuse, I mean, what can they do? Is there, are there I mean, they may not have your number at their fingertips. There must be a, a call, what, 911 or 211 or something? Or 211 is a great resource. 911, I would call if, if there's any kind of physical harm, mm-hmm. um, perhaps impending physical harm. Um, 211 would be a great resource. Mm-hmm. Adult Protective Services, which is somewhat scary for someone to make that call themselves, but uh, as a as a friend or an advisor, you can make that call. And, and unless you're a mandated reporter, you can make that call and be anonymous. Okay, that's important to know. Good. And it might be helpful to touch on some of the typical red flags so people keep their eyes open for them. Yeah, once you run through So, for example, a, a change in living situation, so, such as an adult child moves back into the house um, or another person caring for the elderly person, a new live-in sweetheart, for example, or a new best friend. So a change in situations like that. Mm-hmm. Change in financial situation, if you see a stack of unpaid bills mm-hmm. when you walk into the house or utilities are cut off. Um, changes in appearance and lifestyle. You see someone who is normally well-kept to, be, uh, to look a little disheveled. Unusual activity in the elder person's accounts. You did notice that if you were getting copies of the mm-hmm. statements. Uh, activity that the person doesn't really understand they might be uh, refinancing their house or doing a reverse mortgage and they don't understand exactly what they're doing or why they're doing it. Mm. Uh, missing belongings and p- or property such as jewelry. And if the person is ever wiring money, you know, if you go into MoneyGram or the typical place where you go to wire money, whenever you're wiring money, that's a huge red flag because if you're wiring money on the expectation you're going to get a prize or a reward of some sort, it's always a scam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always. Yeah. Anyway, we got to come back with Paul Hines and Phil Lindsley all about elder law and elder abuse right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is a time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to our sponsors. Couldn't do the show without them. Michael Caranta with UBS. Also, favorite CPAs on the planet. We like CPAs so much, we've got two groups of them. Jason Kruger, CPA with Signature Analytics, a niche market CFO service firm. Also, more traditional CPAs up in San Marcos, California, Polito Epic CPAs with Paul Polito and Don Epic. Also, our great friend Joel Brushkin, who was just on the show as a guest. Joel, of course, works in the cost segregation area. The name of the company is Cost Segregation Initiatives. They help real estate owners improve their cash flow. Now, if you need a bank, because our sponsors make you so much money, how about Mechanics Bank? Sean Puckett, of course, heads up the regional office here in San Diego, in UTC, of Mechanics Bank, a great niche market bank that serves wealthy families, family offices, and families that are involved in the real estate business. Also, our good friends, the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPA's very best clients. This week's guest, Paul Hines, Hearthstone Private Wealth Management, also SeniorSafeAndSound.org. Always appreciate Paul's support, and of course, we're doing a great show with him as we speak. Also, Michelle St. Clair, Elite Lifestyle Management, helping people get back their most precious asset, which is their time. If you are very busy, 
don't have time to do things. Elite Lifestyle Management is a great concierge service, helping from basic things like travel arrangements all the way to more complicated things. You name it, they can get it done for you. Also, Brenda Geiger, Geiger Law Office, Brenda Geiger, specializes in asset protection and estate planning. And last but not least, employee benefits. Boy, you talk about in the news, healthcare. Well, if employee benefits are of an interest, how about Hub International with Neil Staley? Talk about an industry that is up in the air. And also, we can help if you're getting hungry because you decided to miss dinner because listening to this show is more fun than eating. I agree it is. Absolutely. We can help after the show's over. How, Joe? True, true. There's a very good food foundation headed up by Michelle Ceccarelli Lirac, putting on great foodie events throughout the year, and especially on this show, and the very good night dinner coming up in September. The, I think the 8th annual, right, Richard? And, and I think it's the 8th, yeah. Yep, and then there's also Lestat's Coffee Houses, uh, Normal Heights, University Heights, and a new one on University, all open 24-7, 365, always jam-packed, and great food, great coffee, and great drinks. Great entertainment, And too. great entertainment, the one on Adams, yeah. that's for sure. So. Yep. Anyway, uh, I know a lot of these sponsors have been working with you, Richard, for many years with great success, right? Yeah, we now define it in decades, <laughs> And if you get over to iymoney.com, there's a sponsor tab there with a drop-down menu. You can learn about any or all of them and get in touch. And there's also a great media kit put together by Courtney uh, Holtz uh, on that website as well. You can see all the great guests we've had. Actually, all the, and all of the, we forgot to mention this, Richard, all the great past guests we've had. They're all uh, up there. They're all archived. They're even alphabetical. Right. Alpha, we've had Erwin Jacobs, George Takei, Rod Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry's son, of course. Billie Jean uh, King. Billie Jean King. New movie coming out Dick on September 22nd. Dick Enberg. That was a great time at, uh, yeah. in fact, I just looked at that sure, the other day. Uh, La Valencia. The, the unveiling of the plaque for Dr. Seuss there, which is not even the Wailing Bar anymore, but uh, whatever. We had, had a lot of great times and great shows, as this one is right now. And back to Paul Hines and Phil Lindsley, all about elder abuse and elder law. And I've been looking at some of the, the data that you guys brought, and it's just, uh, it is pretty startling. It's staggering. We, we do know that 65 million people, uh, or excuse me, uh, six, uh, um, start over, Joe. How many are turning 65 a day again? It's uh, 10,000. 10,000. Right. Is, that, is that right? That's a lot. 10,000 baby boomers turn 65 every day. Every day. That just blows my mind. So that's uh, it's about, about a 77 million people. Uh, population in that group by the time it all comes out the other end it's uh do we have it yeah and you know the fastest growing cohort in the united states is, is uh people over 80 really sure and of course now look at the dimension numbers on that i see close to one half of the people over 85 have some form of uh, dementia and obviously those with dementia are at uh, greater risk for abuse right so uh and then uh, here's some other numbers you guys brought in. Uh, one in 10 uh, elders, I guess 10%, have experienced some sort of abuse, physical, psychological, financial. And as you guys had mentioned, one, only one in 14 cases are even reported due to the fear, shame, lack of ability, whatever. And then, of course, the other number, uh, the family members, 90% of the time the perpetrator is a family member. And, and 66, uh, two-thirds of the, of the time the perpetrator is an adult child or spouse. Wow. It's uh, <laughs> it's scary. It's <laughs> so it's an epidemic. Yeah. It's an epidemic, right. So perhaps we could take a few moments to cover ten practical tips that people can take to try to protect themselves. Yeah. Can I just bring one more point? Because the sure. late the late Midge Costanza, you may have known her, right, Phil? Because she worked for the DA uh, Bonnie Demanis mm -hmm. and lectured on this subject, right? Guest of our show. Yes. Now I talked to the DA when we had her on a, on a different show, and I don't know if they've continued the program after Midge passed. Now are they still lecturing out there or doing much in the actively? Uh, Paul Greenwood, who's the head of the elder abuse uh, section of the district attorney's office, and we're very 
fortunate, by the way, that our district attorney's office is so supportive of the issue of uh, elder abuse, both uh, physical and, and financial. But Paul, Paul uh, Greenwood goes around and uh, uh, talks a lot okay. uh, to communities in, and groups. Uh, good. In it, fact, it, his presentation that he does on the 10 tips, which these are his 10 tips, Paul Greenwood's 10 tips, okay. that, that has been video archived on the seniorsafeandsound.org. Oh, yeah. Perfect. So people can watch it there. They don't have to yeah. see him in person. I, I've had the pleasure multiple times of sharing a good. platform with, with Paul and uh, and he's uh these are his 10 tips and uh if uh, they he does get out and talk to a lot a lot of groups and okay so paul why don't you uh, share some of those with us uh, right now yeah i think these are just practical and maybe we can just go back and forth one, one is to make sure you choose a caregiver with caution and that means that they have to be thoroughly vetted with a thorough background check and make sure you, if you're going to hire someone if you can't do that yourself and you don't feel confident doing it yourself, use an agency who will do that on your behalf. But, but if you're thinking about hiring somebody, shouldn't they meet with somebody besides you too, like uh, an adult child, uh, one of your advisors? I think it's always great to have a team approach. Yeah. So it takes a little pressure off the, uh, the senior yeah. citizen themselves. And the number one piece of personal property that tends to walk out the door is jewelry. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a tip here to... Make sure you inventory all your jewelry. Perhaps write it down. Maybe take photographs. Keep that safe. Mm -hmm. and, and while you're at home, even keep your jewelry locked up because you might have someone that's a, who's allowed access to the, the house for one reason or another and might inadvertently come across the jewelry. Uh, Phil, do you want to go next one about the shredder? Uh, next tip is to have a shredder. That's good advice. Uh, and they, uh, Paul recommends one of those crosscut ones too. So it uh, can't be easily reconstructed. But people, uh, if they get access to that, may get access to uh, the type of financial information uh, that you wouldn't want them to have. And it's an amaz amazing what uh, havoc somebody can uh, wreck nothing much more than an address. So it's right. also amazing to me how much financial information a lot of older taxpayers will accumulate in paper form because they don't like throwing things away. Right. Yeah. So that's true. And they're not necessarily keeping it all locked up. Right. Um, in addition to dumpster divers, there are people walking around just taking mail out of mailboxes. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, and uh, I'm not sure it's... Uh, oh, that is the next tip, too. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you come from a kinder and gentler time, you might have posted your mail in your uh, own mailbox and raised that red flag. Mm -hmm. Well, that red flag used to be a, a signal to your mailman. The red flag now is a red flag to a whole other group of people, people that are uh, cruising your neighborhood looking for something uh, worthwhile to steal out of your mailbox. And, of course, that's a federal crime if you get caught stealing, it, right? That's uh, mail fraud. And but right. that's not going to stop many yeah. of them. So uh, it is a federal crime. But yeah. uh, it's uh, so the consumer needs to know, well, maybe this is not the, the way I should post my letters anymore. Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's pause there. We'll go over the rest of the points with Phil Hines and Paul, Lin uh, Paul Hines and Phil Lindsley on elder abuse right after this. Hang on. Thank you for being friends. All right. We are back with It's Your Money and Your Life. Uh, we had a little technical issue come up, so it's just going to be Richard and Paul from here on in. So take it away, guys. Our special guest and esteemed sponsor, Paul Hunt, SeniorSafeAndSound.org. Great, great initiative. Great work you're doing there. The other one I always talk about is how the, uh, you know, I don't want to demean an entire profession, but how the healthcare provider always ends up supplanting the kids in the living trust as the beneficiary. Oh, is, uh, <laughs> it, it can happen. There's undue influence. People, people can try to work their way into estate plans. 
Uh, nowadays, if a healthcare provider winds up being the beneficiary, it's it's deemed to be financial abuse. Exactly. So they're going to be removed. Yeah. But, I, I don't mean to speak negatively about health because they do a great job. But we should with... talk about at year end, there's a, a lot of uh, effort by charities to raise money because mm-hmm. we talked about charitable contributions earlier in the show. But definitely be aware that there are some phony charities out there trying, trying to get money from well-meaning uh, charitable oriented people. And the other thing to keep in mind is some charities might be perceived as legitimate and they might be perceived by the IRS as legitimate, but they most of the money that they raise goes to fundraising rather than to the charitable cause. So make sure you check out the charities. Yeah, there's websites where you can go, at least here in California. Charity Navigator is one. Right. And you can also ask the charity to send you a copy of their exemption letter under code section 501c3. Yeah, do your homework and, and be aware that a lot of these charities try to sound like and look like legitimate charities. So be very cautious about where you're writing your, your charitable gift checks. So that's a good good, good uh, warning for this time of year and for any time of year. Yeah, any time of year. But it, uh, I mean, this is the time of the year. I mean, I get so many letters this time of the year asking for money. This is the time of the year. Yeah. It just, I'm afraid to open my mail. There's so many. <laughs> um, and if someone has memory problems, it can, it can be an issue because they could be writing checks to the same phony charity over and over and over. Yeah, I've seen that happen, actually, where somebody just doesn't remember and every month cuts the same check. So if you have someone in your family that has memory problems, help them out. Yeah, help with the mail. The other thing I've seen where I think it's really important to help um, a senior member of your family with the mail, I I know when um, cognitive issues start happening, frequently mail doesn't get open. I've gone to visit elderly clients in assisted living homes and so on, and I'll look at their mail just as a favor, and there will be stuff not open, but for example, checks or distributions from the IRA or other things where they've never even opened the envelope and there's money sitting there ready to go to the bank. Sure. That's def- definitely one of the signs of there's something going wrong is, mm-hmm. for example, if their electricity is turned off at the house. Right. Forgot to pay the bill. They forgot to pay the bill. Yeah, exactly. So, Paul, let's get to a much bigger picture topic. Okay, let's do it. And you are a registered investment advisor. That's correct. So that means you have a fiduciary responsibility to the clients that you serve. And this has been a very hot topic in the profession. The layman may not know that this is going on, but what's going on here? Why, why is this so important? Well, what's happening now is, well, first of all, the Dodd-Frank Act required that the, both the SEC and other agencies come, come back with proposed rules that would require all financial advisors to to act as fiduciaries. And by all, you mean, for example, registered investment advisors, stockbrokers, yes. whatever the list is. Insurance agents. By the way, it even includes family offices, the indus- industry that I work in. Right. Yep. And we should probably explain real quickly that there's two standards of care by financial advisors. One is the fiduciary standard, which is the highest standard where the client's interest must come first. And the second is called the suitability standard. And that's required of stockbrokers. And the investment advice from a stockbroker needs only be suitable. It doesn't have to be the best. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be only in the interest of the But, but it could client. be, for example, in the interest of the stockbroker's firm. It could. Yeah. Proprietary products, for right. example. Right. So you want to be sure you know who you're dealing with when you're asking for financial advice. So what happened is the, the Department of Labor, which is one of the government organizations, came out with rules requiring for all financial advisors to behave as a fiduciary have that highest standard of care when they're dealing with investors' retirement funds. So I want to make that clear that these rules only 
apply to retirement funds. That would be 401ks, IRAs. Defined benefit, defined benefit prompt, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So certainly that's a limitation, but it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, because a lot of people have a lot of assets in those accounts. Sure. Yeah. And the, the reason that's the case is because the Department of Labor only has jurisdiction right. over retirement. Right. So it does only require to retirement. The other thing I want to make sure people know is there is an exception allowed if the client agrees to it. It's called the best interest contract exemption. If, if the client agrees, then they'll sign a document that says that the fiduciary standard of care is not required. So there are definitely loopholes that have been built mm -hmm. into this, uh, probably because of the very strong lobbying of some of the larger financial institutions. Mm -hmm. um, so where does that stand? Right, right now it's supposed to go into effect in April of next year. And it's phased in, so the, it'll be in full effect after January 1st of 2018. Um, but there has been some talk or some speculation that perhaps a new administration under um, now President-elect Trump uh, might want to change some of these rules w when they become uh, when they get into office. Yeah, so, and, th and so that's, just, that's just speculation. It is speculation. We don't know what's going to happen. So as we said earlier, let's let's wait and see, and then we'll make wise decisions around what we know. So question, to get to get your RIA, de RIA designation, what, how much work was that? I mean, how many years and tests and what, what is that process like? I'm just curious. Oh, sure. Well, to register, you, you actually have to file a registration statement with the standard, with the uh, Securities and Exchange mm -hmm. Commission, the SEC. Um, and it's a fully, it's a full disclosure document. Um, the technical term is called a form ADV. I, I don't know exactly what ADV stands for, mm -hmm. but it's a disclosure document. We filed that with the SEC. We once the once we get a return letter from the SEC saying that that filing has been accepted, uh, then the registration is in is in process and we can start providing financial advice. So the our registration is not necessarily a credential. So I want to make that very clear. It is definitely not a credential. So in addition to that, some advisors such as myself have other credentials. Mm -hmm. um, I have the Certified Financial Planner Credential. That took me three years to get. Okay. And if you can imagine, it's six areas of knowledge. Each area of knowledge has 10 books worth of information. Oh, wow. And you have to master it all because the test can ask you on can ask you questions on any part of that information. Sure, sure. Uh, so that took me three years to get, a lot of study time, a lot of work time. And... Uh, in my 32 years as an advisor, that's probably the hardest I've ever worked on, <laughs> on getting a credential. Yeah, I remember doing the CPA exam way back yeah. when, uh, which took me two times to pass, by the way, not just once. <laughs> hey, uh, another question. Um, this is for the younger people listening to our show, which there are many. Uh, my profession, the CPA profession, is a very gray profession. The average age of a CPA in this country now is 58. I I've read that the wealth advisory profession tends to be a much older profession, too, yet to me it represents a huge opportunity for younger people. Tremendous opportunity for younger people, and you're right. The I think the average age of financial advisors is about the same, okay. about 58 years old. And there's a there's an effort afoot by the uh, Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards and other other organizations, the Financial Planning Association, to entice and encourage young people to join the profession. And there are, there are now financial planning curriculum at a lot of different colleges and universities around the country, and that that's all new. So I think it's hopefully it bodes well for the future of our, of our industry and perhaps the, the uh, certified, uh, the CPA industry as well. 
Yeah, because I mean, I found that you really get to help people with things that are very meaningful to their life, you know, whether it's planning with their kids and their grandkids and how to have the family wealth move through generations or some of the wealthy families that I represent when we get, for example, into the charitable arena, you know, working with a family now, you know, on building some orphanages in Tijuana. And that's, to me, that's much more significant work than just helping somebody save 10,000 bucks of income tax or something. Sure is. It can be very rewarding. And um, speaking of being very rewarding, we're going to reward you for joining the show by saying thank you. All right. Thank you, Richard. Thanks, Paul. Really appreciate it. Joe Vecchio. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's always a blast. Great information for the end of the year and the start of the year. Joe, get better. Justin Hart, thanks as always. We miss you, Joe. We miss you, Joe. He'll be back in action next week. A big thank you to Craig Blanke, Dave Sniff, everybody for pitching in. It's your money and your life. We're going to be back next week. Have a great week, everybody, and stay safe out there in beautiful San Diego.